It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From The Standard in London, I'm the Evening Standard's Chief Theatre Critic, Nick Curtis. This is a cut-down special taken from our theatre podcast. To hear more from The Standard Theatre Podcast, hit the link in the notes of this episode. I'm joined now by Jared Harris and Joe Cole, who are both appearing in The Homecoming at The Young Vic by Harold Pinter. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. Very nice to, to have you here. Lots of people will know you from countless TV appearances and films. Um, it's quite a rarity for you to be on stage, isn't it? It's been a while. So what was it about The Homecoming, Matthew Dunster's production at The Young Vic, that tempted you back? Well, strangely enough, I was talking to my agent in the United States and saying that I wanted to... I mean, I wanted to try and get back into theatre, and um, I had a list, and he said, oh, why don't I have that list? So I sent I sent it to him, and The Homecoming was on it. Ugh. And he sent it over to his counterpart in New York, who handled all theatre things. Young Vic had hired an American casting director to cast Max specifically. Max, and is, we should say, is the, is the paterfamilias of an all-male household, isn't he? Yes. To which the prodigal son returns with his new wife. Yes, it literally just happened by coincidence. The casting director called up the agent and said, we're looking for somebody to play Max. And the agent went, that's really weird. I literally just got this list from my kind of part of America uh, in Los Angeles. Jared Harris is interested. Are you interested? And so it happened from there. Right. Yeah. And how's it been? Has it been stretching different muscles than you do on very screen? Very much so. Yeah, very much so. Also, because I'm older, so you have to manage your energy. Yeah. And it's incredibly demanding part from the point of view of energy. He's always driving the, the, uh, the momentum whenever he's on stage. You know, he's always driving the action. And then, you know, it's a different muscle, um, a completely different muscle. It's the same intention, but you just have to figure out a different way of getting it across. Also, on camera, you've only got to get it right once. Yeah. On stage, you have to get it right every night. Every night, yes. Yeah. yeah. So. What, what was it about the homecoming that appealed to you then? Because it's I've a... seen it a couple of times. Yeah. And, but also, I'd never done Pinter. Right. I wanted to do a Pinter play. I wanted to, yeah. So, and this was one of his plays that I wanted to do. There are a couple of other ones on that list. And it's fascinating working with some on material of someone who's written with a mind like this, because, particularly Pinter, because he, he's deliberately cuts out a lot of exposition. Yeah. So there is exposition in the play, but it's just, it's birdseed almost, you know, and you, you start to think maybe that whether or not it's a discovery you've made or is you know he puts these little things in there but he doesn't underline them for you he doesn't explain anything to you what was it that tempted you back to the stage because it's a while since you've uh, done theatre isn't it Joe yeah I, I, 
I wanted to do a play for a long time, you know, just for the challenge of it all. And just to, you know, I, I fell in love with acting through, through theatre through, at school, you know, when I, was, when I was a teenager and wanted to do it, but I just couldn't get, couldn't get an opportunity, you know. Just, I think it's like quite tricky to get, if you're, if you're, if you're seen as a film and television actor, that's, it's, it's a little bit harder to get yourself on stage. So the writer's strike happened, this came up, and it was the first first offer I've had really. So, you know, I jumped at it and I thought, <laughs> what what a great challenge as as to do as to do Pinter and one of his most controversial, darkest plays, you know. For me it was a it was a no brainer really. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. It's an all-male uh, atmosphere, an atmosphere dominated by aggression and suppressed violence, isn't it? I mean, what's that like to play? Joe, if I could come to you first. I mean, you're trying to find the human element of it in amongst what are these very brutish men all competing for the top position within the family. It's like the jungle, it's the sort of lion analogy of the, 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 the father at the top of the tree who's sort of slowly falling away and I'm trying to take his place. <laughs> it's a lot of fun in a lot of ways because you get to expel things that you don't get to expel in, 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 in real life. You get to portray sort of aggression and violence and physicality. and Which you've done of, a fair bit of on telly as well, haven't you? Done a bit, Gangs yeah, of London yeah. <laughs> and the like and Biggie Blinders. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's stuff that in modern society, you obviously, um, you, you can't expel in the same yes. way. So. You get put away if you do. <laughs> yes. You get put away if you do. It's been fun, but I think for me, it's trying to find the human uh, elements of these characters, which is actually quite difficult, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It is quite funny, isn't it, though, as well? I mean, as well, well as I mean, he, Pinter, made the case many, many times for the importance of humour. Yeah in drama and in theatre so yeah I mean and what's amazing is is that when, when we were in the rehearsal room there were things that made us laugh that don't get laughs mm. yes and there are things that we didn't realise are funny but once you do it in front of an audience because they're experiencing it fresh for the first time and they just burst out laughing and you go ah yeah, that was funny. I guess Pinter realised that, you know. Yeah. yeah. It was written almost 60 years ago. It was written in 1964. Is it relevant to today? Does it feel particularly uh, with the sort of Andrew Tates of the world or the concern about toxic masculinity at I the mean, moment? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there, I think. You know, I think there are elements of, uh, of this play which are, are very much 
true to today. They're just hiding under the surface, and the, and and this play brings them all to the fore because they are a family living. Um, they're in they're in their safe environment of their home. They're in their living room, so they can be exactly how they want to be, and they can portray masculinity in exactly how they want to. They all do it in very different ways, don't they? Mm. But yeah, for sure, I think <laughs> I think you you speak to. You speak to a lot of women, you speak to you know, many people and people say this is just a more obvious version of something that we are still dealing with and we have to continue to try to tackle and continue to try to work on um, on a daily basis, both men and women. It's it's quite a stylish production and also stylized, isn't it? With the lighting and with the, the jazz music that accompanies it and that sort of ramps up at moments of high tension. Um, did Matthew Dunster, the director, sort of suggest what level of sort of realism he wanted to pitch it at and does that affect your performances, therefore? One of the things that he made a decision on very early on was to not to allow ourselves that sort of the comfortable um, out of the sort of the Pinteresque opaqueness that there's a kind of tradition of doing Pinter where people say these things with their cards close to their chest and then sort of stare at one another strangely. I mean, he, he, his thing was that there's a, there's a psychological explanation for everything and that we can find it. And, that, um, and then all the pauses, the famous Pinter pauses, he wanted those to be active. So quite often they're filled with movement or activity. And um, so there are very few occasions where people are actually on stage in a silence, in a suspended moment. And those are things that have been earned and they're incredibly tense moments. You know? yeah. Actors quite often say to me that, that sort of um, tragedies or, or you know, plays which are full of violence and aggression are actually make for the happiest rehearsal rooms or the happiest <laughs> company life. Is that true of this one? Are you a friendly bunch off stage when you're not... Uh, it's a lot of jokes. ...butting heads? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a lovely team. Yeah. It's a lovely yeah. team. Yeah. And is Lisa one of the lads or is she... Uh, sure. Definitely, yeah. Because she's, she's the main uh, lad. <laughs> right. Because yeah. her character is, I think, the most, <laughs> the most difficult one for a, for a contemporary audience to accept. Yeah, because there's a lot of explaining that you have to do. Yeah. One of the people who came to see the play a couple of nights ago said it, it would be almost impossible to get this play on now if it was a new play. Mm. Nobody would commission it. And that's partly because there is no safe, happy ending at the end where it's wrapped up. The male characters don't achieve some sort of level of enlightenment or no. something where they realise that they've been these misogynistic pigs the whole time. Um, and she ends up in control of the family, but still, in a way, in a trap, because it's still in that world. It's it by their terms, isn't it? The men's terms. Yeah, and she's figured out how to take control of it, but yeah. it's still... They have a very narrow view of of who she is and what her function is. So, yes, in that sense, she, she's got to explain it. And I suppose you could say the sad thing is is that people expect so little from men now that there's no blowback on the men for, for the way they behave in the play, mm. but she has a lot of explaining to do for the way that the female character behaves, yeah. so, which is unfair. Yeah. yeah. I also think she's like, you know, for me, she's the smartest character and she plays them all slowly but surely plays them all at their own their own game and works each one individually and obviously there's some scary moments for her but ultimately I think she's smarter than all of them and, sure. and, and I feel like you know for me the next stage could be 
whatever. Like she's going to be on her own terms. She's going to be doing things how she wants to do. Um, she's definitely not doing what we think she's going to do. <laughs> no, exactly. that's for sure. And you say that you you say that at the end of the. And Brian, at the end, that's the be- the most he'll give you is two lines where he says she's going to use us. She's going to make use of us. So he realizes that they've made this deal that's going to yeah. That's The Standard. You can hear the full episode or more from The Standard Theatre podcast via the link in the show notes. The podcast will be back on Monday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.